Good evening, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, Bulldog fans everywhere. We are back once again for these, you know, these interesting summer shows on the Maroon Mike. I'm your co-host, Colton Watson. And I am back. Andrew Miller is back as a co-host he, on the Maroon Mike. He went for it's the big entrance so long. I could even, uh, went for the big entrance before I can even, you know, roll out the red carpet for him. I, I, I probably should have had a little bit more fanfare there. No, you're fine. But you handled it um, yourself. That's fine. The, uh, yeah, got Andrew back with us. We've got a little bit of a, I don't, I don't want to call it a catch-all show. It's definitely going to be football-focused, but, you know, just trying to find stuff to talk about, things that are interesting. We're going to, you know, keep uh, your news updates, things like that. In fact, that's what we'll talk about first. But reminder, you know, as we th- go throughout the summer, uh, we don't have a schedule. We're not um, – we don't have, like, you know, 12 things or a, or a 100-day countdown or – uh, a preview of every SEC team or anything like that. We're just kind of kind of do things different. We are in uncharted territory as far as this show goes. As long as this or the previous iterations of this show has existed, uh, there's been June baseball. And the fact that there's not is just, you know, it's really easy to do June, and then as soon as the College World Series is over, you have fall camp and football to talk about. You have baseball to talk about, uh, you know, previewing next year. You do that in July. And then you talk, and then suddenly it's time to talk about you know, footballs in two weeks. So, a little bit different type of thing. If you do have suggestions for interesting talking points, feel free to DM the Twitter account at the Maroon Mike, or just shout it into the rooftops and tag us to where we can hear you. Uh, at least one of us is on that account at least once a day, I guess, right? I check my notifications. Uh, I mean, I get notifications, so. Yeah. I mean, if like right now, there hasn't been a lot happening worth tweeting about constantly. You know, at, at first, because I mean, I was the one who made the account. I wanted to be like all, you know, get an account that has a million followers and like constantly striving for engagement. And then really quickly, I was like, there's just nothing to talk about. So if there's news, we'll tweet something out. Uh, but obviously, you can reach us there. One of us will see it, one of us can respond. Um, so yeah, follow at Maroon Mike on Twitter. Exactly. So here we go. Uh, speaking of, we did mention some news. There's big news. We've got three sports worth of updates to kind of provide as far as the transfer portal goes. And you've heard about all these guys, uh, unless you've lived under a rock. So we're not breaking any news here, but we do kind of want to – it does warrant some discussion. We'll start off with uh, football. Man, this was kind of real, way out of left field. I don't know if anybody saw this coming, but Jordan Morant – no apparent relation to Ja Morant. I haven't confirmed that, but nobody's mentioned it. So uh, I actually had not heard the name Morant before Ja Morant happened, and I don't, I don't think it's a very common name. But this is a Michigan guy. He came out of Michigan. He actually was very weird. We were pursuing him pretty, you know, decently. Then he commits to Duke. Never – apparently never enrolls at Duke or – maybe enrolled and realized, like, this doesn't work. Or I don't – I'd imagine it was a class-related thing or a major academic-related thing that he committed to Duke in May and then was no longer part of that program in June. But uh, he has committed to Mississippi State. You got that Matt Dudak connection, who's our new – or as of a year for uh, – a year ago this week, actually, is our new uh, recruiting coordinator. He's from Michigan. And so this guy, he's a safety – he was a four-star recruit, top 200 recruit, actually, and a top 10 a safety prospect in the country in the, I believe, the 2020 uh, signing class. He redshirted during the COVID year and played in about eight games uh, in 2021. So it didn't quite pan out maybe the way Michigan hoped, but still top 10 uh, safety prospect. Had offers from Bama. Clemson, Notre Dame, Ohio State, USC, Miami, I mean, you name it, and obviously Michigan. So this is a definitely a good get. Like, this is a guy who, even if he didn't quite pan out the way Michigan wants him to do, I mean, Michigan made the college football playoff last year. We can do better – We or excuse me, we can do a lot worse than their leftovers. I mean, I, I'm, yeah. I'm not in a position to complain about the leftovers from a top-10 program in football. Well, in Michigan, um, I know a lot of it had been under their past defensive coordinator who's now moved on, but uh, like that, that's a program that throughout the Harbaugh era has been very strong on the defensive side of the ball. They've recruited well on the defensive side of the ball. Um, most of the players, they 
I think so. I mean, Jabril Preppers was a safety, right? Sort of. He was like you know, jack of all trades type like guy. But I think officially was listed as a safety. Um, but returner, but safety, uh, linebacker, he lined up at quarterback too, and wide receiver and tight end. It, it was it, it was stupid. Um, they okay, quick. They were very much just trying to get Jabril Peppers to win the Heisman when yeah. he was not never going to win the Heisman. But that's what they were doing. Um, no, look, that's a defense that's had a ton of talent on it. Um, so talking about getting a guy that, to transfer out of there, I mean, it's the same thing as when you take a transfer from Bama. There's nothing to roll your eyes at. I, I know people like to make fun of Michigan some um, just because of Harbaugh and, you know, the, the jokes about them in Ohio State. But like you said, they made the playoff last year, Big Ten champions. Plenty of talent on that defense. Getting I mean, a they, uh, they, have the, they, they're the only the third team for the Big Ten to make the, the playoff. So Yeah. No, I mean, they're uh, – that's a major program. It's got tons of talent on the defensive side of the ball. You'll gladly take the player there. And look, we, we t- I, I mean, I remember talking about this when I was still doing shows months ago during basketball season, when we ever, we talk about, you know, some football transfer stuff. The one big area of concern for your uh, defense is the secondary. Obviously you have, you know, what you feel, very, you feel good with Emmanuel Forbes. Um, outside of that though, it's a lot of unknowns. Well, you've got then, some returning. What you've, what you've got there is what I want to kind of want to get into. So, you know, you got you lose Martin Emerson. That's big. I mean, that's a, a third-round draft pick uh, and every bit as, as deserved as it could be. You knew that that was going to happen. You keep Colin Duncan, who had his moments last year. I like Colin Duncan. I think last year was a – he had some – he got a lot of bad press last year, but I, I, I saw a lot as many good plays as I did bad plays. But, of course, a good play for the safety means the ball wasn't thrown at him. So – you know, it doesn't really stand out as much. When he gets burned, it's easy to see. But you got him. You got Sean Preston back. You got Jalen Green back, who I thought was very good. Uh, yeah, Jalen Green played well as a transfer over from Texas. And keep in mind, last year was his first year at safety, too. Right. He was originally a corner um, that state moved to safety kind of out of necessity. And I, I thought he handled that role well. You, you want to talk about guys getting bad press. Sean Preston, I think, took a lot of that. But it is an experience. The ball game was bad, but I thought Sean Preston did fine because he, he's. I mean, he's a run stop and safety. That's his job. I, I, if if Sean Preston is covering the team's first or second best receiver, then that's our that's our fault. Yeah, I mean, and look, um, the the issue for the defense last year when it came to the secondary was just it was sometimes safety play. You had a tendency with Arnett's aggressive style, and by not having Jordan Davis there to get home and provide some of that pass rush. Sometimes defenses like where the quarterback had time to make a play down the field and you had guys getting beat over the top. And sort of if it wasn't Emerson and Forbes having the guys locked down on the outside, the safeties had a tendency to let some guys get free and some quarterbacks hit on those plays. You're trying to fix that in this offseason. Right. And you, and you go you a long way to over- do that when you add Marcus Banks. And we can say Alabama leftovers all we want. He played a lot last year. That was not – I wouldn't – leftovers isn't exactly the right word. They'd have had him back. To Carlos Nicholson, probably one of the best JUCO prospects in the country uh, uh, this past offseason for defensive backs. Jackie Matthews, a veteran out of West Virginia. And then Hunter Richardson, a uh, guy with a lot of years of eligibility out of Florida State who was also very, very highly recruited. He and this guy we just brought up, Morant, the, that is – those are big for a lot of reasons. They don't have to play this year. If they play, if they if they contribute this year, that's bonus. But they've already used their one free transfer. We're going to need them because upcoming after this year, you're going to lose probably Duncan, maybe Preston, definitely Green, definitely Forbes, unless he gets hurt because he's probably headed to the league. You're going to be really thin, and so you need. And Marcus Banks is another one that could go. You're going to need to Carlos Nicholson one more year after this year. And then Richardson and Morant to play a lot next year. Like that, that in 2023, you've got a lot of question marks at defensive back. So these answer questions, these provide depth this year and answer questions in 2023 that I think is uh, we're going to be a lot better for it to get these guys. For sure. And I mean, I don't, I think he would still have years after this, but if we're, we're going to talk about the secondary, I mean, uh, DeCameron Richardson was, I mean, he filled in well last year when, uh, when with Martin Emerson out and, all indications out of spring are that he looks like he's, you know, doing everything he can to lock up the opposite starting corner spot across from Emmanuel Forbes. So, 
I mean, if you're talking about all these additions who came in, these guys that you were like, we need them to be immediate contributors, you still do. But no one you got to go on the roster. If those guys become depth pieces, that's a big thing for you. That if you've got a player on the roster, Richardson, that you feel confident in. But you're right, you're going to lose a lot of experience after this season. So having a couple guys who back in 23, like that'd be shocking if he wasn't. That would be a transfer. Really, really. I mean, that he's he's a Jim Thorpe candidate if he jumps to the league next year for sure. Like that would be great. Having guys back who can, or adding some guys this offseason who could potentially. Uh, be you know guys to red shirt and save for a season that that'd be a big deal. So, I mean, look, I, I know it was not the flashy off season in terms of the transfer portal, um, and we're not going there yet. But I mean, just among the reasons people are one of the big topics on the show today is going to be about the the mood of the fan base, and this is one of those things people just not happy over transfer additions. State went out and added pieces they needed to add. They, I mean, I think we did. I think the transfer portal was really kind. Early returns this year. I mean, I, I can't complain too much. And look, if, if you you don't get if you don't get another offensive lineman, you'll be a little disappointed. But you've across the board, you're good. I mean, O line was the one spot. You got Stephen Lasoya. I know a couple of days ago we heard about the transfer out of Texas A and M. Apparently, he's playing. He's playing JUCO is the plan for him this year. So if State's going to pursue, it's not going to be till next season. Um. But something, and I, I, I've been listening to uh, over on the Cover Three podcast. Bud Elliott from Two Four Seven Sports had been doing a summer school series where he would sit down with one of the Two Four Seven side experts for pretty much all these programs across the country, and just kind of a 10-15 minutes. Where's the program at this point going through the spring and early summer, and what's the expectation going into the season? And one of the running jokes during summer school is that every program is looking for a transfer offensive tackle. Every school wants a transfer offensive tackle, and yet there are, like, none of them to go around. Because if you're a good offensive tackle, your school's probably got you taken care of so that you're going to want to stay there. So I know people look at, like, you know, oh, we – well, yeah, we got Percy Lewis and Lasoya is okay, but, you know, there's some negativity over not being able to go out and get a big-time tackle. Guys, no one is landing tackles in the portal. That's just kind of how it's been this offseason. So not considering – Taking that into consideration, demand and low supply. I guess guess who gets uh, those tackles? The highest bidders and who's the highest bidders? Your Alabamas, your the ones that are going into the portal are probably going to those type of programs. Yeah, no, it's not going to be us. So state did about as well as they could. And again, you'll see if they add another player here or there over the remainder of the summer. They may go out and just find an offensive lineman to be a depth piece. But I I think overall, you have to feel good about the way they handled things this off season. they look, you have a ton of experience coming back. You have a lot of players you're confident in. You just had a few places you needed to shore up some positions. And I think state's done a nice job of that overall. Right. So, uh, she's switching gears now to baseball briefly. And don't worry, the football discussion is not done. But back to the portal again, we're going to go uh, two different directions here. The first uh, guy, very, very important to me, is Landon Gartman. So I'm going to get personal here a little bit. Um, Landon Gartman grew up in my hometown. Uh, I kept score at some of his little league games. My first job actually was keeping score for uh, uh, youth baseball games. And so I did some of his. Uh, I played sports with his sister. He's a very, very humble and a talented young man. Played a couple years at Pearl River. He um, actually just – Absolutely crazy. In high school, this kid was phenomenal. I mean, struck out two per inning, uh, less than one ERA. And you're like, how does this guy not wind up at a four-year school? It's just insane. He ends up at Pearl River. He has a 2020 year, of course, the COVID year, event, which was very brief. And then in 2021 was the player of the, of the year in the state of Mississippi. He goes on to Memphis. He is then, of course, none other than pitcher of the year in the AAC. So everywhere he's gone, he's – uh. He's setting, you know, got got a lot of hardware to his name. And now he's at Mississippi State. He's always wanted to play at Mississippi State, he says. Uh, very, very um, excited to be here. I, I don't recall if the family – I'm pretty sure the Gartmans, uh, and he has step-parents too, uh, aren't Mississippi State people. I don't think they're big Ole Miss people. I think they're either Southern Miss or just kind of whatever. But if you're a baseball player in this state, I mean, Mississippi State is where it's at, right? I can't uh, do that. 
as my watch is trying to talk to me. Please shut up. I, why do, what do I say? What, what words are coming out of my mouth when my watch randomly talks to me that makes it think I'm talking to it? I couldn't tell you. Like that's, I'll be, I'll be like in church. The preacher will say something. It'll just start talking. I'm like, what, what did he say? I'm not sure. I Stop. He did it again. Quit it. Anyway. But uh, yeah, Landon Gartman, very, very uh, impressive player. I'm just going to pull up some of the stats here. Three, five, six ERA, which sounds a little high. He actually got better as the season went on. If you go through his earned runs, he gave up in his second uh, appearance a, a run, two in the next, and then three, and then two. Zero to us. A little bit of rough stretch in the middle, and then finished really, really strong. Started off like as a two, three inning guy, and then eventually became a seven, eight inning guy. This guy can go, uh, went seven innings, one, two, three, four, five times, and went six innings four more times, and then went eight innings. So, again, he's given you six-plus innings and in, uh, actually more of his outings than not. So that's really important. So I think he's a guy that's going to factor in the rotation. Best, I think, most important stat is 94 strikeouts to 29 walks. That's right up above that three-to-one ratio that you want. And knowing Scott Foxhold, I feel like that control can get even better. He's got four pitches for strikes. Really impressed with Landon Gartman. And then Colton Ledbetter out of Sanford. Great name. Fantastic name. First and last name. Uh, I don't know where Marcel or all those other Ledbetters are at, if they're thinking about him or not. But uh, Colton, outfielder, just finished his sophomore season at Sanford, and we know that Sanford has been able to produce uh, great SEC players for some of these. It's been kind of a farm system for the Southeastern Conference. It's where Auburn got a couple of players last year, including Sonny DeShera, who dates a friend of ours, by the way, um, or used to. He uh, used to. Sorry, Clara. But uh, Colton Ledbetter, three, and this is all from memory, so if I forget, if I miss a stat here, you got to forgive me. 318 average, 16 doubles, 16 home runs, 57 RBI. Uh, you'll take all that. He's hitting for average. He's hitting for power. Um, he's producing runs. He's being productive. I believe 67 hits. Those are all better numbers except for home runs. Those are all better numbers than uh, – Deshera had before he got to Auburn, and I believe he had a couple triples as well. So this is a huge get. He's an outfielder. Uh, with, you're going to lose Jess Davis. You're going to lose Brad Cumbus. You also lose to the portal, Braylon Skinner and um, Jess Day. Uh, excuse me, Matt Quarter. So you got Kellen Clark in there. It probably a corner outfield spot. This guy probably the other corner outfield spot. You want to go find yourself a real a legitimate center fielder, and maybe this guy could be a legit – Colton could be a legitimate center fielder. I don't know. But you're, you're, you're right now you don't have anybody on the roster that's even Rowdy Jordan or Man, certainly not Mangum-esque or even as quick as Jess Davis or Braylon Skinner or any of those guys. Uh, you, you don't really even have really the Cameron James or Brad Cumbus kind of range either. So you, you're looking for somebody like that. Um, they've got a junior college middle infielder already, but you might see another one. And then really pitchers. You're looking at pitchers. Uh, you if you if you may go get a really good catcher, but I'm not. If you if you unless you just don't think you're going to get Highfield of School or Luke Hancock, then I wouldn't. Uh, I wouldn't be swinging on a catcher too bad, you know. So anyway, very very exciting stuff for uh, for baseball, and then basketball. We've also got transfers in that realm. Yeah. Uh, so. You saw the addition, I believe that was last week. Uh, State picked up its third transfer of the offseason, uh, adding uh, Jamel Horton um, uh, from Albany. Uh, Horton averaged 12.8 points, 3.1 rebounds, 3.9 uh, assists for the Albany Great Danes this past season. Uh, he was the American East Defensive Player of the Year, second-team all-conference selection. Uh, just a solid all-around player. Um, the defensive side of this is obviously what you're really looking at, where, you know, Chris Jans coming in, I—it's funny as much as we talked about style and style and you know offensive style for you know what we're looking for the next head coach, and then you hire a guy in Chris Jans who's very much defensive minded, but his offensive brand is still different than Howland's, but um, it will definitely utilize the talent we have a little bit better and sort of maximize the shooting ability. But he cares a lot about defense, and in fact, I mean, there's a lot of talk about him playing a much more aggressive style with the guys we have in terms of, in, you know, sort of maximizing what we can do defensively, getting a guy who's a conference defensive player of the year um, and a great on-ball defender, that's kind of what you're looking at. 
Um, so that's you know, the third transfer we added in. Go ahead. Jans, I think it's worth noting, you know, junior, and we've got a junior college recruit too, but in, as far as junior colleges and, and mid-majors go, he knows those. Like he's, he's been, he's coached at several mid-major schools, including Wichita State. Uh, he's built those programs into something better than they've really been. Uh, and he coached in junior college for a long, long time. So he's going to know how to identify that type of talent and know, you know, who's going to be able to thrive in this enhanced level of competition and who's really uh, maybe productive, but doing so at a, at a, you know, lower level of competition to the point that they probably couldn't make that jump. He's no, he knows the difference there. Yeah. I said third transfer. He was the fourth. You had the, Sean Davis, who was the point guard out of Oregon State, um, Southeast Missouri State's Eric Reed, uh, Jr. as another guard. Um, and then you brought in New Mexico State big man Will McNair, Jr., so one of the guys transferred over, essentially came to follow Chris Jan. So uh, Horton was, again, your fourth addition. Roster sort of starting to come together. Obviously, you got Tobu Smith returning, which was the big deal. Uh, you managed to get both Shaquille Moore and DJ Jeffries to, you know, they, they had entered the portal, but they – leave the portal to come back to MSU. Cam Matthews is still there. Uh, you still have Keyshawn Murphy on the roster. Look, right now, I mean, unless Tolu Smith is going to be the guy, you don't have, like, your one piece that you look at to sort of uh, center around, which, to be clear, Tolu Smith is could very much be the guy. But in terms of, like, the, your big-time scoring threat, you don't know who that's going to be right now. Um, but you've got some nice pieces. Now, talking about the scoring threat, obviously the big negative news was that uh, State missing out on Isaiah Mosley, who was the transfer out of – what was it, Missouri State? Um, yeah, transfer out of Missouri State. It felt like for so long it, it, everything was trending towards MSU. You looked over to the people on if, – if you you know looked over to the people on the 247 board for State, they were all very confident. But specifically the two – because I'm not throwing those guys in the bus. The guys over on the Kansas board, because uh, if you're a 247 subscriber, if, you know, for the, if you're familiar or not, you can look over at the boards for every team. Literally, the guys for KU were saying he's going to Mississippi State. Like, he's going to withdraw from the draft, and he's going to go to Mississippi State. Like, he's – like, because Kansas was one of the other big teams that was brought up for him, but it was like, no, he's not coming to Kansas. Uh, they, I don't know if Kansas really had a spot, but the thought was he's going to MSU. And it day by day passed where it was like, okay, he's going to commit, he's going to commit. I mean, keep in mind, this guy's averaging 20 points a game. Um, high percentage score, um, uh, just would have been your big offensive spark. And every day that he pushed back the, the commitment date, or every day he went by without committing, it kind of just went further and further to it kind of makes like when you're Mississippi State, you've been here before, you understand what what this what's going on. He clearly wants to go somewhere else. So wants another option. Uh, Texas Tech came up a lot, and given where that program has been recently, that would have made a lot of sense. Um, but then things faded there. He didn't really have an option with Kansas. Uh, finally, you get an announcement. Um, I guess, what was it? Was it last week or was it earlier this week? I think it was earlier this week. I'm losing – it's summer. Yeah, I'm losing track of time. Um, in the morning, you get an announcement. He's cut his list down to Missouri and Mississippi State. And then by the afternoon, it's announced that he's committing to Missouri. Now, he is from Columbia, Missouri. It's his hometown. Which um, means he didn't get what he wanted, so now he's just going to the path of least resistance. Yeah, I'm here. I mean, not to talk bad about him, but he he bet on himself and lost. That's what it sounds like. Very much so. And, look, Mississippi State was still very much going to be willing to wait on him. It wasn't a deal where Mississippi State said, no, we're not playing this game. We're going to cut you loose. Like, State would have taken him. Um, but clearly he didn't get – he wasn't able to get the offer he wanted. So he ends up going back home. I mean, staying in the state that he was already playing college ball in, but literally going back to his hometown. And, look, Dennis Gates is a good coach. I think he can have success at Mizzou. I mean, in the case of Mosley, it's like he's only going to be there one year anyway. So I don't – like, I don't know how good the Tigers are going to be this year. I mean, I – it as much as I'm into college basketball, I'm more like once the season gets close, that's when I start looking into, like, how teams are actually performed. I would venture to say I feel like State could probably be a better team. I think if you're talking about chances for winning right away, Mississippi State would have been the better option. But I think it's just very clear he never really wanted to come to Starkville. So you miss out on him, and it kind of leaves you, you know, wondering where's the next place you're going to turn. 
the other name that had been brought up a lot was Emmanuel Acott, who's a transfer out of Boise State. This is a guy who was a five-star coming out of high school, originally signed with Arizona before eventually transferring to the Broncos. Um, last year, averaged 10.6 points a game, 3.1 rebounds, uh, 2.8 assists. Can kind of play, you know, either the three or the four, depending on how you want to line him up. Um, at, it seemed like for a while things were not trending in the right direction for MSU, but it does sound like things have started to pick back up positively. Um, State would, you know, this is a kid State would still absolutely take. Um, and if you do, like the, the one big thing, so State's got two roster spots left. The big piece that they had been looking for, obviously, was Mosley, but they had also been talking about adding a guy to be a stretch four. ACOT would not be that, but if you do get Emmanuel ACOT, then a guy like DJ Jeffries could play stretch four for you. So that's sort of like your big target that you're looking at uh, right now. Outside of that, there's really no known names. I mean, it's entirely possible. Sure, goes. I, I think you mentioned that. I'm trying to think back. I'm pretty sure DJ transferred over here so he didn't have to play the four. But now he's going to end up having to. He might. I mean, if, if we were to get ACOT. Um, but as it's right now, there's no other known names out there. I mean, State is – I think it's, they're definitely going to add at least one more player. It's possible you might hold off a roster spot for the next year. I mean, keep in mind, you're still coming back from losing scholarships with the whole Tudorgate situation. It would forget basketball was involved in that too. Um, shout out to Nick Weatherspoon. But uh, – so, I mean, look, maybe you go with the guys you have. But I, I definitely think if you can get a guy like Acott, uh, you, you do see if you can find another piece to come in and just be like add some sort of semblance of a scoring threat. Look, there you have solid pieces to work around. I'm not going to look at this team and say this is a tournament quality roster right now. Um, I, I think, and look, I don't think that should. I know Chris Jans came in and yeah, said Mos- like Mosley, and then it's a tournament quality roster. Yes, if you had Mosley, you're looking at this team like they can make the NCAA tournament. And I know if you're if Chris you're Jans said like they, his expectation is to get to the tournament this year. If you're if you're a huge basketball fan, like this is this is probably one of the saddest recruiting misses in recent memory. Yeah, it, it's tough. Um, and as for as confident as you were about getting him, um, but it's it just it became very clear he just never never really was that interested in coming, which always makes me wonder like what was he telling people around like. Uh, Clearly, he was saying all the right things to Mississippi State to make the people here and the sources here feel confident that he was going to be here. But it, it makes me, uh, I, you, and I feel like in football, if this had happened in football, I'd be belaboring the coaches. Or in baseball, I would almost say, oh, the coaches probably processed him out because we know they know what we're doing. In basketball, I just feel, I mean, I'm biased here, and I play. I, I, play basketball every day. I talk with basketball people and hang out with basketball people every day. I just feel like a lot of them are just kind of divas, and that's really not the nice thing to say. I don't, and I feel bad saying it. I'm not saying Isaiah Mosley's a diva. I feel like when you miss out on a transfer in basketball, it's just, you know, it is what it is. I don't, I don't blame – I don't blame the coaching staff as much. Yeah, no, and like I was saying, I know Chris Jans was very confident, like, you know, you – it's not building a program. It's building a roster every single year, and the expectation is to build a roster that can go to the NCAA tournament. Look, obviously that's his expectation, but I think year one, see if you know, try to lay the foundation. I know this is going against what he said, but you do want to lay the foundation for what your program is built upon, but then you can add your pieces to each year. See if you can get to the NIT. See if you can have a positive season. If things break your way, maybe you can find a way to comp- compete for a tournament bid. But right now, I mean – Someone, someone on this roster would have to emerge that we're not looking at right now. This, that's nice. This is called a blue. Have you ever heard of a blue alert? I haven't, but I saw the stuff going around, so I like I know what it is. Those of y'all in Newton County, there is. I, I lost it. I, I went it away. I can't read it. But watch out for a guy in a Nissan something. Black Nissan something. He killed a cop, and he's on the loose. Well, unfortunately, th- this is not going to be in real time when people hear that. Uh, this will hey, all pass. Hey, but he might be out for open for twenty four out for twenty four hours. You don't know. This will be up, okay. Yeah, very up, very true. This will be up by tonight or in the, or in the morning. Uh, back to basketball, real quick, just to wrap up. Like by then. <laughs> yeah. But, <laughs> um, look, if you want to talk about this team having a chance to get to the NCAA tournament in the first season for Chris Jans. You're going to need somebody at one of, you know, probably at one of these guard positions, really 
uh, emerge as a true scoring threat, whether it be, I mean, you brought over Deshaun Davis, Eric Reed, uh, the transfer from Albany, uh, I already forgot, Horton. I, sorry, I didn't, didn't have it pulled up, so I've lost his name real quick. Maybe Shaquille Moore takes a big step forward or something, choosing to come back. I mean, look, you can obviously build a lot around Tolu Smith as your big presence on the inside, but you really want somebody as a big-time perimeter scorer. And, you know, that's where losing uh, – Iverson. Oh my, yeah, Iverson. My, my mind's going blank. It's where losing Iverson Molinar really hurts. But, obviously, you know, he, this was his time to go and try to pursue uh, career in professional basketball. So, look, State brought in some nice pieces. We'll see what else happens. Um, chance to be an okay team. But to TBD on whether or not this team has true tournament potential. Uh, going into the 2023 season. Yeah. I mean, I, the way I see it is you're a Tolu injury from being cautiously optimistic to dumpster fire of a season. But yeah, losing Tolu, that'd be rough. And I mean, he's he's been unhealthy. There's a difference between an excusable dumpster fire and what you're seeing with Ben Howland there. Which, I mean, if you're lucky, maybe you can just dirty up every game the way that New Mexico State dirted it up against UConn and against Arkansas in the tournament. Um, although having a guy like Teddy Allen who can go and drop 30 while you do that certainly helps. Um, but maybe you can just play ugly ball all the way to the tournament. That'd be awesome. All right. Now for the actual topic of the today's show. As we've been talking way too long. Lots of, in lots of insight, though, uh, especially about the basketball thing. I feel like you could have gotten what I said about football and baseball pretty much anywhere. But I don't think you're going to get this basketball inside anywhere else, so that's good. But uh, yeah, it's all it's 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 football season, guys. You know, baseball's over. I don't know. I watched a little bit of the regionals, and I know it was super incredibly entertaining. I actually had some stuff going on, so I wasn't just ignoring it. But it's it's just you know, be when you're Mississippi State. If I was Southern Miss or something, you know, not as much history or tradition as much as they might like to argue. I'm not. I'm probably not a little bit bitter about postseason baseball occurring without my team in it, but we're Mississippi state. So it is a little bit, you know, I tongue in cheek when I say this, but it's not as fun for me. So it's football season for me. And that's what we're here to talk about. It, it, it was briefly softball season. And, and I'm checking scores right now. Oklahoma is three outs away from winning another national championship as what's maybe the most dominant season ever. Uh, they're up 10 to going into the bottom of the seventh. Um, but and yet, yeah, yeah, I would play. Oh wow, Texas scored in the first inning, and then Oklahoma on the third pitch of the game or the fourth pitch of the game hit a two-run home run, or fourth pitch of the bottom hit a two-run home run. You're like, well, that's that was fun while it lasted. Yeah, they're insane. Um, but it was fun cheering for softball for a little bit, <laughs> and being a being a softball school. Uh, I, I mean, I obviously haven't been on the show. I, I did go up. That was awesome to be. Uh, up there for what was the, the second game of the Super Regional. Uh, I had actually – so I had never met Daniel in person, so I got to chat with Daniel for a second, um, see some old friends that I hadn't seen in a while, bake in the sun up on those risers and just melt. Uh, mm. Unfortunate the game played out the way it did, but a really cool scene out there. You see what the future could be for MSU softball. You know, they, they paused renovations to, like, the practice facility to host the Super Regional. Yeah, you almost make them feel like they should just redo those entire plans and extend, expand seating down the first baseline, and or down the third baseline rather than having that big facility right there. Like, mm -hmm. you absolutely, I, I think, if you could continue, build off of this, and I know the team loses a lot of pieces for next year, but if you, if you can continue, if Coach Ricketts can continue to build off this. You, I don't see any reason why Mississippi State can't go out and be a place that's getting you know three thousand people showing up for softball weekends. Um, but it was a really cool scene, really cool to see the Bulldog fan base embrace that team and for what was the, essentially what was the greatest season in school history when it was all said and done. Um, but you are right that we are now ultimately in football season. Um, I've been playing NCAA football a lot. I tweeted some about this dynasty that I've had going. I had it going for a while, and I paused, and now I brought it back. And it just so happened that my coach is ending up at Mississippi State. And in the game, Mississippi State's coming off five straight losing seasons. Um, and as I mentioned, like my top, it's actually my top four wide receivers and six of my top nine skill players are all white. So that has me very concerned, but I'll tell you, we're two games into the season. We're two and a, 
So we're starting off hot. I'm Coach Woody Lee is turning around Mississippi State in my dynasty. Um, but now we need to turn our attention to the actual Mississippi State Bulldogs going into year three under Mike Leach and what this season can be, but really more vibes of the fan base, mood, mood of the fan base, expectations going forward. I, look, I, I don't want to sit down and just make a bunch of predictions right now overall. I'm sure I'll do that eventually, and maybe we'll get back on here on the pod and we'll do like an SEC preview, uh, season preview type stuff later on when we get closer to the actual season. But obviously, like now, football talk is very much heating up across the country. Um, it's heating up across the SEC. And it should be heating up in Mississippi State when you consider, you know, baseball ending the way it did. You would feel like everyone should be turning their attention to football. And, and you feel like it should be in a positive manner. But it very much is not. And I, I understand why but I kind of think it's bullcrap. So I know this is a topic that has been touched on um, by some other MSU pods. I know it's been brought up on some of the websites, like the mood of the fan base, but, you know, being on the message boards, reading some of the comments, and I'm aware message boards are not real life, but I run into plenty of these people yeah, on Twitter it's too. It's like Twitter. It's pe- well, well twi- I mean, like, it's like politics and Twitter. If you thought, Twitter was a representative sample of the United States, like we would be a completely different place than we are actually. Yeah. Same thing for message boards. Like the average message board poster is very far from the average fan. Very true. But I was starting to say, I see plenty of it on Twitter too. I've seen plenty of it on Facebook. Twitter. What what I said about politics, Twitter doesn't necessarily apply to sports Twitter. Well, no, it, It still does, and I feel like there's definitely more state fans. There's got to be more state fans who are positive than there are, but there's a lot of people who are not happy right now with MSU football. You have a lot of people who are not excited about the future for this program, not excited for this upcoming season. And, again, while I know where they're coming from, I don't think it's nearly as justified as they're going to suggest it is. Um, And it just – I don't know. It – it kind of baffles me where we're at as a fan base right now and the way we're talking about a lot of this stuff where we have people looking at this team with the pieces it has coming back with going into year three under Mike Leach. And look, I understand you're going to have dumb random sec fans who don't know what they're talking about, who are going to say Mississippi state's going to suck next year because they just assume state's always going to suck. But we have people like that from our own fan base right now. And I am look. I am not a sunshine pumper, uh, Mister Positivity, or any of that. I've been pretty negative about times at times when it comes to a loss. I mean, that, that's putting it lightly for people. Andrew, who know negative, never. never. <laughs> I. Yeah, I mean, I'm not at all Mister Positivity, but I do feel like I'm pretty when it, at least when it comes to football, I'm pretty rational about Mississippi State, and I'm pretty rational about what the program is, what it's supposed to be, what it can be. And I'm looking at this team, and I'm incredibly excited for what this season could be. Obviously, a lot of people have talked about the, you know, the returning experience um, and the returning production, um, 17 returning starters for Mississippi State. And if you look at Bill Connolly with his SP Plus rating system, part of that, he factors in returning production. And Mississippi State was, I believe, number 12 nationally and first in the SEC in terms of their returning production. Now, for Connolly, it's not as simple as uh, he, he his awaited returning production. So what he does is, like, okay, the best way to describe it, like he's found over the years that, like, if you bring back a ton of production from running back, that isn't nearly as valuable as bringing back a ton of production at wide receiver. So, like, wide receiver stats coming back factor in more than wide uh, running back stats coming back. Um, And it kind of leads to a more accurate representation of, like, what you have returning for your team. Despite, like, with all that in mind, though, Mississippi State comes in as the top team in the SEC and it's number 12 nationally in terms of his returning production rankings. Now, returning production isn't always a cut-and-dry way of saying that you're going to be really good. Last year, everyone in the country returned a ton of production. Because 2020, granting COVID year and the way things played out, you last year was a year where, like, if you didn't have a bunch of returning production, 
look at Northwestern, you were going to suck, and Northwestern sucked. This year, you're still seeing some of that, but obviously you had a lot more teams, you know, after this past year. It's, you're getting back to a little bit more normal. Mississippi State being where they're at puts them in a position that not a lot of other programs have. And that's factoring in highly to like the, I mentioned the SP plus, SP plus rankings. You're 12th in his preseason product, uh, 12th in Connolly's preseason, uh, or sorry, returning production metric, 15th overall. ES State is the number 15 team in the country for his metrics. Now, I say he, he does not have it. His computer has Mississippi State as number 15. But if you're unfamiliar with SP Plus, it's a pretty good rating system. It's probably the best college football analytics system that's out there and does the best job of predicting you know, future success. You got this. I mean, Mississippi State is a top 15 team. And if you t- and obviously it's a top 15 team that has to play teams ranked number two, three, eight, uh, 17, um, has to play 22, 26. State has an incredibly difficult schedule. We know this. And that may the limit. Difficult schedule. Yeah, the most, most difficult schedule. But you're still coming in ranked number 15. You've got – you have a metric saying that you are – because, like, SB Plus is oh, – it's just grading your team. How good does it think you are? It's not saying are you going to be the number 15 team in the country in terms of where's the AP poll going to put you. But it's basically saying quality-wise, you're a top 15 it's basically team. basically saying – you will beat – there's 14 teams in the country you won't beat. The rest you will. That's what it's saying. You should. It, and it, it's, it's sort of grading how much better you are than an average team in the country. And it has Mississippi State grading out pretty freaking well. You look at – like something that like, keeps – I keep thinking of is like if you had zero – I have to apologize. I paused Andrew. If you heard these people yelling in the background or the – horns honking. I don't know what's going on outside. Uh, disturbances only happen when I record. I, I think if you remember from a few months back, listeners, I've twice had to pause for a helicopter, two shows in a row. How often do you hear, in two different locations, how often do you hear a helicopter outside your outside your house or your place of work? Twice. A, heli- a helicopter flying low enough that it disrupted the podcast, and now I hear people screaming and horns honking. Like, I don't know what's going on. I we get pretty, plenty of planes because we have like a little local airstrip close to us, but then also we have like Gulfport Biloxi International Airport and Keesler Air Force Base. So a lot of fighter jets, a lot of planes taking off. Um, sonic boom. Little, yeah, little crop dusters taking off from the local airstrip that's a couple miles away from my house. So I'm used to those interruptions, but, right. but you're right. You definitely don't want it all coming through on the pod. No, but what I was getting into is, you know, I think if you looked at this team with zero biases about logo on the helmet, zero biases about who the head coach was, um, and you just solely looked at it like, okay, this is the team that last year they took a big step. Like they improved a lot from the team they were in 2020. And they're bringing back all this returning production. They're bringing back all these starters. They've added the players that they've added. Um, you look at how they graded out last year, where they graded out as a top 30 team despite finishing seven and six. They had, You take into account, yeah, I see they, they had some bad luck when it came to the way turnovers, the way penalties affected, the way special teams played out, which special teams mistakes aren't typically something that you look at as like a long-term issue. Those tend to be a bit more uh, – those tend to be a bit more back and forth in, teams, in terms of how they're going for you. It's not as predictable a measure for determining your overall team success as your offensive and defensive performance. If you took all of that into account, you say, that was actually a pretty good team last year. They got a lot of pieces coming back. I have reason to believe that they should be pretty good. And then even if you factored in that you knew who the head coach was and you knew it was Mike Leach, but you chose to not have biases about your opinion of Leach as a coach, you would look and say, you know, Mike Leach, this is year three for him at MSU. Year three at Texas Tech, his offense exploded and they won nine games. Year three at Washington State, it was a down year for the program overall, but offensively, they were still really good. Their issue was defense. They, they took they, they went three and nine, and they had like three or four losses where they scored 30-plus points. Their defense was just horrendously bad, which is not something I'm worried about for Mississippi State because I feel really good about Zach Arnett's side of the ball. Um, as far as, you know, lost production on that side of the ball, you know, you said 17 starters. Uh 
you're you're pretty good on defense though. I mean, your entire defensive front is back, and then Aaron Brule yeah. is is transferred out, but he he was a rotation piece at best by the end of the year, and then Emerson. Other than that, you're good. Yeah, no, you have a ton of experience back. Your top tacklers are back. Your top pass rushers are back. Um, and again, having Ford back, losing Emerson sucks, but you, you bring back plenty on that. That side of the ball should be good. And you feel like, yes, you have the issues at safety. When we talked about this earlier with transfer stuff, but the pieces you've brought in, you feel confident somebody's going to figure something out. So I'm not worried about having a defensive collapse that costs this team from being able to continue to improve. And also with that team he had at Washington State in 2014, they had, I believe they had some quarterback injuries they had to deal with. They ended up having to play two quarterbacks significantly. And they still put up massive offensive numbers. But having to go to a young quarterback when your veteran starter gets hurt, that that creates problems. No, that too, yeah. So, so you, but you see the improvement there. And you're like, okay, year three typically is like his offense tends to get really settled in and tends to be in a pretty good spot. So I should – I look at this Mississippi State team with all the pieces they have coming back and knowing they improved from year one to year two the way that most of his teams had. Shouldn't this offense get better again? I tend to think it should. Oh, and let's start a little tidbit here. Since we're going to talk about Mike Leach and, like, justification for why you would think this team would be good. This will be the fourth time in Mike Leach's career that he is a third-year starting quarterback. Each of the previous three teams won nine games. 2002 Texas Tech. Wow. At least nine games. Where'd you get that from? That's a great one. (laughs) 2002 Texas Tech, 2008 Texas Tech, and then 2017 Washington State. And the 2017 Washington State offense actually wasn't even that great. It graded out pretty much – we talk about SP+. I'm going to talk about SP plus ratings offensively in a few minutes. That offense graded out as like – I think well, I guess second worst during his time there compared to where his things were. And that team still went nine and four. And then the next year, Gardner Minshew comes in and they win 11 games. But guess what? Will Rogers is a third year starting quarterback. And I'm not saying Mississippi State's going to win nine games, but I mean, even with the bowl game, who knows? Maybe we won't because the schedule is incredibly difficult. But it's one of those things that you look at like, okay, when Mike Leach has an experienced quarterback like that, his team tends to be pretty good. Everything points to Mississippi State having a successful season. And even if you look at last year, and even if you look at some of the, the, the rough stretches here and there, what were the issues for the offense last year? They had a tendency that they shot themselves in the foot a lot. A lot of stupid penalties. Some You had multiple fumbles that were like returned for touchdowns and set up short touchdowns early in the season in the Memphis and LSU games. But just some dumb and, turnovers. Uh, and in one game, in the egg ball, you just had drops, like uncharacteristic drops. You got off to slow starts which that, that's something like – it's an issue. And every now and then those slow starts would cost you in the red zone. Those are things, though, that you can look at. The red zone thing is a bigger concern, like what does that look like long-term. But really, that was more like once they got into a rhythm, they would score down in the red zone. It wasn't as big of a deal. I was a concern with red zone scoring after the first – after it started off bad with the Memphis and the uh, LSU game. And after that, I was okay. Texas a we kind of were 50-50 about it then – once you get to Auburn, it was like, oh, we're good. Yeah, they were good in the red zone against Arkansas. Like, Will made one stupid check in that Arkansas game where he checked to a run on, like, third and goal from the seven when he should have stuck with the pass. Like, everybody jokes about run, run, run. Will checks into a run the one time he should have checked into a run, and we end up settling for a field goal that was, of course, missed. Um, no, but, like, dumb penalties and, like, Simple, like simple turnovers where it's just kind of like a you didn't hold on to the ball. Um, that, that happened, you, had, you fumbled a couple times against Louisiana Tech, too, in that game. Um, and then slow starts on offense and just not getting into rhythm. Like the turnovers and dumb penalties, like that can be cleaned up. And the slow starts on offense, that's something that you can improve with further experience. And I don't think those are issues that, like, I could be dead wrong. Maybe we see it the first couple of weeks of the season and it's a problem again, but I feel like those are correctable issues that I'm not looking at long-term. We've talked about the special teams a lot. You got special teams cost you against men that you lost by two. You missed a field goal in that game, and then you have the, the punt return issue that, yes, the official screwed you, but it still is special teams. It is still special teams ultimately kicking you, biting you in the butt. But, yes, the official is the reason that happened. The LSU game, you missed a field goal in that game. A chip shot field goal, you lost by three. And then you have the Rodney Gross boneheaded play that cost you right when you had all the momentum going in your favor. I, I talked about two days ago, I talked about that instance so much that my friends had to tell me to stop talking. 
because I was so enraged. If I, if, if you need, we have to change subjects because if I start talking about it, the podcast will go in a bad direction. And then we'll go to the Arkansas game where you lose by three and you miss three field goals. You missed a chip shot field goal. And then the two others like are misses that like, yes, sometimes happen, but you should have made at least you should have made the chip shot. And the other two, you should have made one out or two and won the game. Yeah. Like, not to mention, I know people, Martin Emerson. And I know all three of those games that I've talked about, everyone, the people who are like anti offense will say, yeah, well, the offense started off slow. Yeah, the offense did start off slow, but when it was all said and done, the offense put up enough points that if the special teams does its job, they win. They put up enough, they move the ball well enough, they put up enough points that if the special teams takes care of business, they win the games. But we've decided that, like, we're gonna we're gonna pencil on these one issues. But you go back to that and you see those issues and say that's a team that went seven and five that at a minimum should have been like eight and four, probably nine and three. I'm not gonna go all the way and say ten and two, but like even though it was three games, I'll I'll be a little bit more rational. You're looking at a team that was eight nine win quality. They went seven and five because they had some bad luck. And even the Louisiana Tech game, like it was fluky that Law Tech got the lead that they did. That was state shooting, state playing better, dominated that game. Uh, the Auburn game, you ended up winning that game by nine. I don't care that you came that you were down 28 to three, and maybe you say, Oh, it's a fluke that you came back. You kicked their tails once you came back. So I that counts as a win for state. State was one and three in one score games last season. Um or no, 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 they were uh, sorry. They of their four losses, three were by one score. So I mean, you can't you can't go back and look at that and feel like they uh, things didn't. You can't look at it and be like things just well. They had a bunch of breaks go their way. No, things were breaking against Mississippi State last year. That's why they graded out as a top thirty team despite only being seven and six when it was all said and done. Right. And the bowl game, yes, was a disappointment, but at the same time, like you had all these guys out on defense. And look, the offense simply just wasn't prepared, and you weren't ready for that game. Well, you that's also a, look, three offensive linemen. I mean, that doesn't help. Yeah, no, it, it doesn't. And I mean, you talked about the egg bowl, the drop passes in there, the missed field goal in there. Like that game is entirely different if you go in with the half up thirteen to ten instead of being down ten to six. But there's nothing you can do. Like obviously, the players have to execute. But the reason I'm laying all this stuff out is because all of this gets put on Mike Leach as. Well, it's Mike Leach being stubborn, and the air raid won't work here. The air raid showed it worked last year. You showed the offense can be effective last year. No, it wasn't consistent, but you put up enough yards, you put up enough points that you were able to beat legitimately good teams. Mm -hmm. I know Texas A&M, we make fun of them, but they literally beat Alabama the week after we beat them. NC State went 9-3. and They beat Clemson. And they would have won. They would have. They 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 missed out on their bowl game because UCLA opted out with COVID, like right at the last second. They would have beaten UCLA. That would have been a ten win team. But then you beat Kentucky, who was a ten win team. And I know people Kentucky didn't beat anybody. State had not beaten the ten win Power Five team since beating Florida in two thousand. The third and fifty seven game. That was the last time State beat a team from the Power Five that finished with ten wins. And Mississippi State got that win last year over Kentucky. I don't care what the circumstances are about how good Kentucky actually is. You would think we would have lucked into a win at some point. You showed last season you're capable of beating some good teams. And even the losses you took to lesser teams were pretty fluky with how they played out. The offense works. I know it wasn't like smooth and perfectly consistent at all times, but it did enough where if you have other things going in your favor and you didn't have the bad luck you did, it's a much different tale of the season. And you have to feel like another year of experience under everyone's belt, a third-year starter at quarterback. You're bringing your three on third-year offensive linemen all back. You have a great group of skill position players on, on both in the receiver core and in the running back group. I feel like the offense should continue to improve and get better once again. And people want to talk about, like, if you want to talk about, like, the offense and it, you know, not being enough, here's what kills me is – how often under Dan Mullen did people talk about, like, how often was the offense truly blamed under Mullen when things were poor? Like, what I mean is, how often did people question Dan Mullen as an offensive play caller in and his scheme and how viable his scheme was within the SEC? I think as a play caller, he definitely had questions. In big games, he would take uh, big games, especially. And it, would, it was, you know, Drop back to pass on first and ten, incomplete. Run up the middle on second and ten. It's third and eight. Quarterback draw third and ten. Yeah. I, I was, 
I definitely got off track. Mullen definitely got questions. But, but not – the scheme – Schematically. Not the scheme. No one said what Dan Mullen likes to do, where it's running the power spread option, and we're essentially just ramming Nick Fitzgerald up, in the, up the middle – 50 times a game. No one looks at that and says that's not a viable offense and we can't do that here. If you go and you look at how Mullen's offense is graded out per SP plus 2009 was his worst season, obviously. Uh, actually, no, it wasn't. 2011 was his worst season. 2009. They, they, uh, and it's just going to be the grade. I don't and care about the, the national the 2009 team is Booby Dixon's senior year. Yeah. Well, let's, let's be real here. Like that's incredible. So 27.8. 2010, 32, 2011, 2013.9, 2013.9, 2013.9, 2013.9, 2013.9, 2013.9, 2013.9, 2013.9, 2013.9, 2013.9, 2013.9, 2013.9, 2013.9, 2013.9, 2013.9, 2013.9, 2013.9, 2013.9, 2013.9, 2013.9, 2013.9, 2013.9, 2013.9, 2013.9, 2013.9, 2013.9, 2013.9, 2013.9, 2013.9, 2013.9, 2013.9, 2013.9, 2013.9, 2013.9, 2013.9, 2013.9, 2013.9, 2013.9, 2013.9, 2013.9, 2013.9, 2013.9, 2013.9, 2013.9, 2013.9, 2013.9, 2013.9, 2013.9, 2013.9, 2013.9, 2013.9, 2013.9, 2013.9, 2013.9, 2013.9, 2013.9, 2013.9, 2013.9, 2013.9, 2013.9, 2013.9, 2013.9, 2013.9, 2013.9, 2013.9, 2013.9, 2013.9, 2013.9, 2013.9, 2013.9, 2013.9, 2013.9, 2013.9, 2013.9, 2013.9, 2013.9, 2013.9, 2013.9, 2013.9, 2013.9, 2013.9, 2013.9, 2013.9, 2013.9, 2013.9, 2013.9, 2013.9, 2013.9, 2013.9, 2013.9, 2013.9, 2013.9, 2013.9, 2013.9, 2013.9, 2013.9, 2013.9, 2013.9, 2013.9, 2013.9, 2013.9, 2013.9, 2013.9, 2013.9, 2013.9, 2013.9, 2013.9, 2013.9, 2013.9, 2013.9, 2013.9, 2013.9, 2013.9, 2013.9, 2013.9, 2013.9, 2013.9, 2013.9, 2013.9, 2013.9, 2013.9, 2013.9, 2013.9, 2013.9, 2013.9, 2013.9, 2013.9, 2013.9, 2013.9, 2013.9, 2013.9, 2013.9, 2013.9, 2013.9, 2013.9, 2013.9, 2013.9, 2013.9, 2013.9, 2013.9, 2013.9, 2013.9, 2013.9, 2013.9, 2013.9, 2013.9, 2013.9, 2013.9, 2013.9, 2013.9, 2013.9, 2013.9, 2013.9, 2013.9, 2013.9, 2013.9, 2013.9, 2013.9, 2013.9, 2013.9, 2013.9, 2013.9, 2013.9, 2013.9, 2013.9, 2013.9, 2013.9, 2013.9, 2013.9, 2013.9, 2013.9, 2013.9, 2013.9, 2013.9, 2013.9, 2013.9, 2013.9, 2013.9, 2013.9, 2013.9, 2013.9, 2013.9, 2013.9, 2013.9, 2013.9, 2013.9, 2013.9, 2013.9, 2013.9, 2013.9, 2013.9, 2013.9, 2013.9, 2013.9, 2013.9, 2013.9, 2013.9, 2013.9, 2013.9, 2013.9, 2013.9, 2013.9, 2013.9, 2013.9, 2013.9, 2013.9, 2013.9, 2013.9, 2013.9, 2013.9, 2013.9, 2013.9, 2013.9, 2013.9, 2013.9, 2013.9, 2013.9, 2013.9, 2013.9, 2013.9, 2013.9, 2013.9, 2013.9, 2013.9, 2013.9, 2013.9, 2013.9, 2013.9, 2013.9, 2013.9, 2013.9, 2013.9, 2013.9, 2013.9, 2013.9, 2013.9, 2013.9, 2013.9, 2013.9, 2013.9, 2013.9, 2013.9, 2013.9, 2013.9, 2013.9, 2013.9, 2013.9, 2013.9, 2013.9, 2013.9, 2013.9, 2013.9, 2013.9, 2013.9, 2013.9, 2013.9, 2013.9, 2013.9, 2013.9, 2013.9, 2013.9, 2013.9, 2013.9, 2013.9, 2013.9, 2013.9, 2013.9, 2013.9, 2013.9, 2013.9, 2013.9, 2013.9, 2013.9, 2013.9, 2013.9, 2013.9, 2013.9, 2013.9, 2013.9, 2013.9, 2013.9, 2013.9, 2013.9, 2013.9, 2013.9, 2013.9, 2013.9, 2013.9, 2013.9, 2013.9, 2013.9, 2013.9, 2013.9, 2013.9, 2013.9, 2013.9, 2013.9, 2013.9, 2013.9, 2013.9, 2013.9, 2013.9, 2013.9, 2013.9, 2013.9, 2013.9, 2013.9, 2013.9, 2013.9, 2013.9, 2013.9, 2013.9, 2013.9, 2013.9, 2013.9, 2013.9, 2013.9, 2013.9, 2013.9, 2013.9, 2013.9, 2013.9, 2013.9, 2013.9, 2013.9, 2013.9, 2013.9, 2013.9, 2013.9, 2013.9, 2013.9, 2013.9, 2013.9, 2013.9, 2013.9, 2013.9, 2013.9, 2013.9, 2013.9, 2013.9, 2013.9, 2013.9, 2013.9, 2013.9, 2013.9, 2013.9, 2013.9, 2013.9, 2013.9, 2013.9, 2013.9, 2013.9, 2013.9, 2013.9, 2013.9, 2013.9, 2013.9, 2013.9, 2013.9, 2013.9, 2013.9, 2013.9, 2013.9, 2013.9, 2013.9, 2013.9, 2013.9, 2013.9, 2013.9, 2013.9, 2013.9, 2013.9, 2013.9, 2013.9, 2013.9, 2013.9, 2013.9, 2013.9, 2013.9, 2013.9, 2013.9, 2013.9, 2013.9, 2013.9, 2013.9, 2013.9, 2013.9, 2013.9, 2013.9, 2013.9, 2013.9, 2013.9, 2013.9, 2013.9, 2013.9, 2013.9, 2013.9, 2013.9, 2013.9, 2013.9, 2013.9, 2013.9, 2013.9, 2013.9, 2013.9, 2013.9, 2013.9, 2013.9, 2013.9, 2013.9, 2013.9, 2013.9, 2013.9, 2013.9, 2013.9, 2013.9, 2013.9, 2013.9, 2013.9, 2013.9, 2013.9, 2013.9, 2013.9, 2013.9, 2013.9, 2013.9, 2013.9, 2013.9, 2013.9, 2013.9, 2013.9, 2013.9, 2013.9, 2013.9, 2013.9, 2013.9, 2013.9, 2013.9, 2013.9, 2013.9, 2013.9, 2013.9, 2013.9, 2013.9, 2013.9, 2013.9, 2013.9, 2013.9, 2013.9, 2013.9, 2013.9, 2013.9, 2013.9, 2013.9, 2013.9, 2013.9, 2013.9, 2013.9, 2013.9, 2013.9, 2013.9, 2013.9, 2013.9, 2013.9, 2013.9, 2013.9, 2013.9, 2013.9, 2013.9, 2013.9, 2013.9, 2013.9, 2013.9, 2013.9, 2013.9, 2013.9, 2013.9, 2013.9, 2013.9, 2013.9, 2013.9, 2013.9, 2013.9, 2013.9, 2013.9, 2013.9, 2013.9, 2013.9, 2013.9, 2013.9, 2013.9, 2013.9, 2013.9, 2013.9, 2013.9, 2013.9, 2013.9, 2013.9, 2013.9, 2013.9, 2013.9, 2013.9, 2013.9, 2013.9, 2013.9, 2013.9, 2013.9, 2013.9, 2013.9, 2013.9, 2013.9, 2013.9, 2013.9, 2013.9, 2013.9, 2013.9, 2013.9, 2013.9, 2013.9, 2013.9, 2013.9, 2013.9, 2013.9, 2013.9, 2013.9, 2013.9, 2013.9, 2013.9, 2013.9, 2013.9, 2013.9, 2013.9, 2013.9, 2013.9, 2013.9, 2013.9, 2013.9, 2013.9, 2013.9, 2013.9, 2013.9, 2013.9, 2013.9, 2013.9, 2013.9, 2013.9, 2013.9, 2013.9, 2013.9, 2013.9, 2013.9, 2013.9, 2013.9, 2013.9, 2013.9, 2013.9, 2013.9, 2013.9, 2013.9, 2013.9, 2013.9, 2013.9, 2013.9, 2013.9, 2013.9, 2013.9, 2013.9, 2013.9, 2013.9, 2013.9, 2013.9, 2013.9, 2013.9, 2013.9, 2013.9, 2013.9, 2013.9, 2013.9, 2013.9, 2013.9, 2013.9, 2013.9, 2013.9, 2013.9, 2013.9, 2013.9, 2013.9, 2013.9, 2013.9, 2013.9, 2013.9, 2013.9, 2013.9, 2013.9, 2013.9, 2013.9, 2013.9, 2013.9, 2013.9, 2013.9, 2013.9, 2013.9, 2013.9, 2013.9, 2013.9, 2013.9, 2013.9, 2013.9, 2013.9, 2013.9, 2013.9, 2013.9, 2013.9, 2013.9, 2013.9, 2013.9, 2013.9, 2013.9, 2013.9, 2013.9, 2013.9, 2013.9, 2013.9, 2013.9, 2013.9, 2013.9, 2013.9, 2013.9, 2013.9, 2013.9, 2013.9, 2013.9, 2013.9, 2013.9, 2013.9, 2013.9, 2013.9, 2013.9, 2013.9, 2013.9, 2013.9, 2013.9, 2013.9, 2013.9, 2013.9, 2013.9, 2013.9, 2013.9, 2013.9, 2013.9, 2013.9, 2013.9, 2013.9, 2013.9, 2013.9, 2013.9, 2013.9, 2013.9, 2013.9, 2013.9, 2013.9, 2013.9, 2013.9, 2013.9, 2013.9, 2013.9, 2013.9, 2013.9, 2013.9, 2013.9, 2013.9, 2013.9, 2013.9, 2013.9, 2013.9, 2013.9, 2013.9, 2013.9, 2013.9, 2013.9, 2013.9, 2013.9, 2013.9, 2013.9, 2013.9, 2013.9, 2013.9, 2013.9, 2013.9, 2013.9, 2013.9, 2013.9, 2013.9, 2013.9, 2013.9, 2013.9, 2013.9, 2013.9, 2013.9, 2013.9, 2013.9, 2013.9, 2013.9, 2013.9, 2013.9, 2013.9, 2013.9, 2013.9, 2013.9, 2013.9, 2013.9, 2013.9, 2013.9, 2013.9, 2013.9, 2013.9, 2013.9, 2013.9, 2013.9, 2013.9, 2013.9, 2013.9, 2013.9, 2013.9, 2013.9, 2013.9, 2013.9, 2013.9, 2013.9, 2013.9, 2013.9, 2013.9, 2013.9, 2013.9, 2013.9, 2013.9, 2013.9, 2013.9, 2013.9, 2013.9, 2013.9, 2013.9, 2013.9, 2013.9, 2013.9, 2013.9, 2013.9, 2013.9, 2013.9, 2013.9, 2013.9, 2013.9, 2013.9, 2013.9, 2013.9, 2013.9, 2013.9, 2013.9, 2013.9, 2013.9, 2013.9, 2013.9, 2013.9, 2013.9, 2013.9, 2013.9, 2013.9, 2013.9, 2013.9, 2013.9, 2013.9, 2013.9, 2013.9, 2013.9, 2013.9, 2013.9, 2013.9, 2013.9, 2013.9, 2013.9, 2013.9, 2013.9, 2013.9, 2013.9, 2013.9, 2013.9, 2013.9, 2013.9, 2013.9, 2013.9, 2013.9, 2013.9, 2013.9, 2013.9, 2013.9, 2013.9, 2013.9, 2013.9, 2013.9, 2013.9, 2013.9, 2013.9, 2013.9, 2013.9, 2013.9, 2013.9, 2013.9, 2013.9, 2013.9, 2013.9, 2013.9, 2013.9, 2013.9, 2013.9, 2013.9, 2013.9, 2013.9, 2013.9, 2013.9, 2013.9, 2013.9, 2013.9, 2013.9, 2013.9, 2013.9, 2013.9, 2013.9, 2013.9, 2013.9, 2013.9, 2013.9, 2013.9, 2013.9, 2013.9, 2013.9, 2013.9, 2013.9, 2013.9, 2013.9, 2013.9, 2013.9, 2013.9, 2013.9, 2013.9, 2013.9, 2013.9, 2013.9, 2013.9, 2013.9, 2013.9, 2013.9, 2013.9, 2013.9, 2013.9, 2013.9,
Mullen's offense did not perform well against good defenses. Mullen's offense would get shut down against better talented defenses. All these things people complain about Mike Leach for all the time. Well, that offense, that, that offense doesn't work if the defense has talent. And all, all you had to do is rush three, drop eight. Well, all you had to do was rush eight against Mississippi State when Dan Mullen was here, and he couldn't do anything against it unless yeah, he was I freaking mean, old. I mean, you did all but, that also consider with way less talented receivers, a different type of talent of, of – run block of block of offensive linemen. I'm not really going to talk about that. But And other than Dak, uh, less talented of passers. I mean, Nick Fitzgerald was a crazy talent. But I don't know. I mean, I love Chris Ralph. I uh, really appreciate Tyson Lee and uh, Tyler Russell. I don't know if they're more talented than Will Rogers. Probably from an athleticism standpoint, yeah. All those guys more athletic than Will Rogers. But as far as arm talent and decision-making and poise goes, no. So – I, this, this is getting into like Will Rogers is for as much crap as he takes. Like he's, and I'm not even just talking stats. He is at worst right now, the second best, like in terms of a talent, pure passer in MSU history. And I honestly think after this year, and again, I'm not just basing this off of numbers. I'm basing this off how he throws the ball. He, he could surpass Dak. As because a pass, the way, not as a player. Dak had a stronger arm for sure. And no, and not overall as a player. Like I'm not trying to minimize Dak. But Dak is a passer. Like he was pretty good. I think I mean, Will's, Will, if Will Rogers plays the next two years, he'll be the he'll, he has a real shot at the best. Uh, literally, the best, the most yards in FBS history. Yeah, and look, I know it sounds like I'm here crapping on Dan Mole. I'm not trying to. It's not that I'm intentionally trying to crap on Dan Mole because I love Dan Mole. I'm very thankful for what he did here. I would absolutely take sign up for his results. I would sign up for the way things played out, but. The things we would not question about Dan Mullen are being questioned about Mike Leach. And my whole point that I'm trying to make is that Leach is right in line with a lot of that. What Leach is doing is right in line with the way Mullen likes to operate. Right. And in terms of the offensive production. So all these things people say about the offense and how it won't work here, it's, it, it, it matches up. And everything says this team should be good this next season. But y'all won't focus on that, and people folk, people are lost on that because they're mad that he's lost the Egg Bowl the first two years and that Kiffin had a big season and that Sam Pittman had a good season. So clearly Mike Leach is failing so far. Guys, I understand what happens at other programs does have an impact on MSU, but in, right now the, the path Mississippi State has taken to build as a program is not the same path that these other schools are taking, and what Mike Leach is doing has worked for him throughout his career. And, like, right, I, I don't right. see the reason to not try to – I just think it's crazy to not buy in and see, like, okay, what he's doing right now is right in line with what he's done throughout his career. The way it's performing is performing just as good as the best coach we've ever had at this point so far. He's he's doing as, as good offensively as pretty much most of Mullen's teams that besides Dak Prescott. Why not we – why not see this out? And look, if we go through this season and it's not improved and we don't get the results we wanted to see, then, yeah, I will be much more critical of Mike Leach and what this offense is looking like and what our future under him can be. But, like, Leach is doing the thing that led to all-time great success at Texas Tech and at Washington State. Programs that are very similar to Mississippi State, when you consider the challenges that they face, they're standing within their conference. If it can – we have a guy who's a proven Power 5 head coach at programs that are pretty similar to yours. Why not give him the opportunity to like see if these things work out? So I know I've been rambling here forever. We're going to wrap it up right now. Look, the, the whole point I'm getting at here is what Leach is doing is not this disaster that you got. Some of you guys think it is, and everything says this team should be good this next season. So, right. which means that like, disaster will strike at the last, at the most worst way possible. I'm sure. Yeah, I'm sure it will. And well, we're going to get hurt. Everybody's going to get hurt. And uh, one of the the that most important assistant coach or something's gonna like have a scandal and then just works, you know, sky's gonna be falling and they have to burn bulldoze the stadium. But uh, I mean, I'll, I'll just sum it up right here, guys. Look, seven games, seven wins last year, and uh, you know what? I know we you you shouldn't what if, yeah, coaches and players that are having to focus, they don't they need they don't need to what if, they need to focus on the next game. We as fans and you know, quote quasi journalists, I guess. We can what if to get to death. Seven wins, and you you got hosed on three of them, either by your own kicker or by the referees or by Rodney Gross. You got hosed on, on three wins. So there's ten, okay? 
all the problems that you had last year, safety was eh, kicker was abysmal, punter was eh. You got better at all three this offseason. You returned 17 out of 21 out of 22 starters. Let's go play some ball. I mean, let I mean, you can't. I'll, I'll go ahead and add the two negatives: the egg bowls on the road this year, and the schedule's really tough. But other than that, I don't see uh, I don't see a lot of disappointment in this season. I see a lot of upside. This team has an opportunity to be really good. And look, I can't tell everyone how to feel. I can't tell you that you have to be optimistic. But the reasons people like the reason I did that wanted to do this rant and go go off on this today, and it is just it feels like so many of the reasons people are going to for why this team they're not excited for this team just I, I think they're crap and I, I don't think it's justified I don't think it's based in reality it's based on your own perception of what you've decided Mississippi State is supposed to be what you just what what your own made up in your mind about the air raid and Mike Leach and it's just not reality like go go and look at the numbers go and look at how things actually compare there's reason to believe that this team should be good I couldn't agree more well that's all we got for tonight uh I guess it'll be morning by the time most of y'all listen to this, but Maroon Mike will be back intermittently throughout the summer. Again, contact us with uh, any topics that you kind of want to hear about. We'll, we're, you know, focused on all sports. We're going to be a little bit of this, a little bit of that. And then it's going to be a real football gear up here in the next few weeks for sure. So until next time, as always, swing your sword and hail state. Hail state. Okay. <laughs>